Welcome to the Fairway Performance Podcast. My aim for this podcast is to have conversations and to record solo episodes like the one I'm going to do today to help you improve your golf, your fitness, and your health. And I'm your host, Sean Dykoff. And just before I dive into today's topic, a quick reminder that the Fairway Performance app is available to download via my profile on Instagram or via fairwayperformance.com. The app has tons and tons of programs and exercises in there which are going to help you improve your body so that you can play better golf. I've also included a section in there which has a mobility assessment which is essentially running off some of the TPI screens that I do and it is giving you a bit of an assessment and working out what areas you're lacking mobility, strength or flexibility in and then I have plans which are going to help you address those particular areas. Uh, They're called the mobility routines and they're all body parts specific and they're going to help you with the particular needs that you have uh, which you can work out what your individual needs are via doing those mobility assessments. Um, Anyway, enough of that. I'll dive into today's topic, which is going to be uh, just answering three questions that I have had this week. Uh, One of them is from someone on Instagram who has asked me, um, hi, I'm just wondering if you know how much less on-course driving speed I can expect compared to my PR clubhead speed with my driver of 114 miles an hour. Now, this is something that's really hard to work out. And what I always do is I just explain exactly some of the numbers that I've experienced and we can work out what percentages or you can work out what percentage difference it is from a maximal effort to what I carry onto the golf course and you can make your own assessment. Um, The best way that you're going to be able to figure this out is obviously to measure what you do with either speed sticks in your training or ripstick or whatever the the stack system, whatever training tool it is that you're using to do your swing speed and, and gather your swing speed measurements. And then obviously get the same, use the same device to measure that speed on the golf course when you're hitting your driver at a speed which is normal and not trying to get after it or just trying to have a fairway finder or hit a fairway finder. So the numbers that I have, so when I was at my peak sort of towards the end of last year, I hit a PR with club head speed using the lightest speed stick. So that's something that is lighter than a driver. And I swung that in training on a PRGR monitor at 144 miles an hour. That was the fastest measured swing speed I'd had with that. With the blue stick, the blue speed stick, which I believe is only slightly less than a driver, maybe 5 to 10% uh, less weight than a driver, I swung that around 138 miles an hour. So that was more relative to what the actual, um, what a driver head weight would be like and how fast I would be able to swing a driver. I never actually measured swinging a driver in my swing speed training. Um, I'd only measure that when I went to the range and tried to hit some balls hard or when I was on course and I could use the PRGR when I was just having a practice round and just stick it behind me and see what sort of speeds that I could get there. So with that in mind, the so the carryover to the golf course then at that point in time that I was registering 144 miles an hour or that was the max that I registered on the the PRGR with my speed sticks, the swing speed that I was averaging was around 118 miles an hour. 
on on course uh, getting after the ball. So not my fastest. There was faster ones than that, like 120, 122 miles an hour. And then there was some slower runs around 114 to 116. So 118 was my happy medium. And I was getting quite a lot of distance. I was getting like sort of 275 meters or 300-ish yards of carry. Uh, And then because I have a really high ball flight, I wasn't getting much more run out than that. So I'd probably get a total of um, 315 to 320 yards or or close to 300 meters. Like 285 to 295 meters was a, a, a pretty good drive for me. And um so to work out the difference there, 118 miles an hour down from around 138 with the blue speed stick, uh, it's roughly, um, you know, 15-ish percent less. Um, I'm not, you know, doing the maths exactly. Um, it's just an, an roundabout percentage, 15 even down to, to 20% less, um, somewhere in the middle of those two. And that's just because with the speed sticks, you're not actually swinging at something. You are literally just swinging anywhere in the air around where the radar is going to pick up the the swing speed that you have. And you're not worried about hitting the ball. As soon as you put a ball there or as soon as you have to hit something, you're immediately going to decrease the speed that you swing at. And then if you have... Um, some consequences as to where the ball goes when you hit the ball, you're going to decrease the speed even more. It's just going to be a limiter that your body sets in place. There's no one who's going to get up there and just swing absolutely out of their skin and, um, and you know, potentially have an air swing or a whiff. And, um, yeah, we're always going to have a decrease in speed there. So for this person, if they're, if they're swinging, um, you know, 114 miles an hour is like the max that they could ever do then I would say at least like 10 to 15% lower than that is what you could expect on the golf course. So somewhere around, say, like 95 to 100 miles an hour is probably something that you could expect when you actually go to hit the ball. And again, these numbers aren't definitive and they're not you know, exactly correct and I haven't researched and studied all of these. This is just through my personal experience and my personal opinion. Um, but the best way to do it is to, to test it out for yourself and see what it is. Um, but I, I would say just through the experience I've had, and I've also witnessed this in others who have gone through my swing speed training or that I've done individual coaching with that I've had a lot of contact with, um, that they've experienced very, very similar results. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my answer for that question. The, the second question that I had, uh, was actually through an individual coaching client that I had today and. He's uh, just starting out with me. We got him in. He did. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of experience in the gym, so he um, hasn't really lifted weights before. He'd never done a deadlift uh, in his whole life. He'd never done a deadlift, and uh, he's currently doing Pilates. So there's some resistance-based exercise there, but the resistance is obviously banded resistance, which is very, very different to uh, a weighted movement. And being, uh, I, I believe it's a reformer Pilates that he mainly does. So laying on a bed, um, obviously a lot of the stability elements are mostly taken out of the equation when you are laying on a surface like that, because it's rolling up and down on rollers in a particular plane, um, much similar to if you were to use a Smith machine for doing squats or something like this. So um, yeah, so this person, the the question that they asked me was, um, just about knowing what weight to use when he was doing a certain exercise. And 
for him, I'm starting him out on, and for most of the golf clients that I start with, to be honest, we're always starting with the intention to try and build a little bit of muscle mass. So I'm always programming uh, sets of, you know, three to five sets, depending on someone's experience and the volume they need of anywhere between eight and 12 reps and building either weight or repetitions over a period of time so that they can see strength gains via either the weight increasing or the repetitions improving or increasing and the weight staying the same. So the reps increasing obviously shows them that there's an increase in strength there or they feel like they're getting stronger because they're doing more reps. And he was saying, how do I know what to select for the first set of eight? Like what's going to be a good number for me to start with? Do you suggest a number? Um, my advice to him and my advice to anyone who's starting out and if you're someone who has either done the, um, the programs that I have or you've followed the Fairway Performance app or you are uh, looking at doing it, the, the best way to start if we're... So the context here being um, this person is going to do... Uh, the first week, they're going to do three sets of eight. The second week, they're going to do three sets of nine, three sets of 10, three sets of 11, three sets of 12 over the next five weeks. And he is uh, you know, doing certain movements like bench press, uh, dumbbell split squats, other bits and pieces. So unilateral exercises um, to build some strength uh, across both sides of the body and, and take away any imbalances that he has. So with this, what I've told him to do is to, in week one, when he's doing the three sets of eight, is to pick a weight that he thinks is a lot less than what he would be able to do and do a set of like say four to six or four to four to five reps uh, at that weight. Oh, sorry, do a set of, um, I, I, I think I just stuffed that up. Do a, a set of four, five, maybe six reps of that particular movement and just get a feel of what it feels like and then maybe step up a little bit more in weight if it was easy. Again, try four, five or six reps again and then after that, he'll do his first set and he'll make his best guess at which weight would be appropriate based on what he had just done the the, weight, uh, the the four, five, and six reps at with the previous weights. And the intention is for him to feel like that first week when he does the set of eight reps, he feels like he could probably do at least one more, potentially two more reps with that weight. So we know we've got um, you know two reps in reserve, we'll call it. Uh, that's what other coaches and, and I've used uh, in terms of terminology to explain uh, to someone before. Two reps in reserve or one to two reps in reserve means that you could probably squeeze out another one to two reps. Uh, and we know that over the coming weeks, he's going to step up to sets of nine, then sets of 10, then sets of 11, and sets of 12. And that just sets him up perfectly because he's got three weeks then to go eight, nine, 10, to build confidence, to build a bit of strength, to build some coordination in the movements. And then when we get to the sets of 11 and the sets of 12, he should feel very confident that he's able to lift that weight, but it will be a challenge for him. Uh, the other thing, so he said, what if I uh, stuff up picking that weight for the set of eight and it was like a bit too easy, a bit too, like too whatever, too hard maybe? Um, I always just get people to err on the side of caution and, and potentially go a little bit too light because then the next week for the set of nine, they can just step up a little bit more. They know they're doing one more rep only and then they've probably got a much, much better idea of what they can do and they're going to make a better selection for the weight there and then they know that for the week of 10, 11 and 12, they're going to be able to do those reps also. So that's my answer for you know selecting weights when you're just starting out in a training program. 
um, and I hope that helps you. And if, if you have any questions on that or you want to talk about that, uh, you can message me at Sean, S-H-A-U-N dot D-I-A-C-H-K-O-F-F, Sean dot Dyakoff on Instagram. Um, or you can email me Sean at Fairway Performance. That's F-A-R-I-W-A-Y performance dot com. And I'll happily answer your question and talk to you about, you know, programming and, and all of this sort of stuff. So I uh, hope that one helps there. Uh, the third question I had is, um, is weight training going to make me too stiff for golf? And there's so many different ways to answer this question. But the way that I want to answer the question today is if, so if we think about movements that we do in the gym as either functional movements so they help us function uh, doing certain movement patterns so they might be patterns which are going to help us with day-to-day tasks in life or they're going to help us function in a sport Um, or we're doing movements which are going to be isolating and concentrated on a specific body part or area of the body so uh, to give you two different exercises if we were to do a squat uh, that would be a functional movement because we're you know, essentially sitting down on the toilet, standing up. Um, it helps us walk up stairs um, because it builds strength in the quads, in the glutes, hamstrings, posture, all that sort of stuff um, versus a bicep curl, which is something that's purely isolating one muscle group and it's not training the others around it and it's only helping us with that one particular movement pattern. And while that might help us function doing certain tasks, it's not really a functional movement. It's more a concentrated or isolated movement to build up one particular area. And we can go even further into that to immobilizing other parts around it by you know, placing it stationary on a bench or something like this and doing what's called a concentration curl, if you know what that is. And that's essentially immobilizing all the areas around the bicep and literally just using the biceps muscle to, to do the bicep curl. So... Uh, when we talk about getting stiff with golf, I find that if someone is following a program which has a you know a, a lot of concentration movements or a lot of uh, isolation type movements where they're not doing squats and deadlifts and rotations and jumping and sitting down and standing up and other bits and pieces that are going to help us with all other aspects then the people that are doing the isolation stuff, they're generally the ones that get a little stiffer. And the only reason I say that, and Andy Galpin talked about this when we were doing uh, a podcast a little while ago. You can go back a few episodes. I believe it was around episode 12 or 13 of this podcast. And um, you, so if we're not moving the body through large ranges of motion while building strength in it, then we're decreasing the ranges of motion that we can move in. Uh, And essentially isolation or or concentration movements will do this because they're not taking us through the movement patterns which are required to function. So what we want to do is if we want to decrease our likelihood of decreasing our mobility or flexibility is doing movements in the gym which are as functional as possible and taking us through as large a range of motion as possible. So if we're to do a squat, it's squatting as low as you can comfortably without pain and going through the full range of motion that you have access to. Now, 
the other part to this, obviously, to to keep increasing and improving what our range of motion is, is we also want to be doing some mobility to help with increasing our range of motion while we're doing the strength work to improve our strength through that range of motion. So uh, in short, hopefully that has answered that question of, um, you know, are you going to get less flexibility or are you going to get tighter by or too stiff for golf if you um, do weights in the gym? And I would just say to to avoid that or the potential for that to happen is to avoid any movements which are concentrated on a particular body part or isolating a particular body part um, and doesn't take others through ranges of motion and combine multiple muscles and multiple contractions in one go and to do stuff which does all of the things I, I've said uh, just then. So some really good movements are squats, uh, deadlifts, uh, um, Cossack squats, um, push-ups are great ones because they're training uh, the chest in, in terms of pressing and they're training the triceps and shoulders to st- the shoulders to stabilize the the shoulder joint and the triceps to help with the pressing. Um, so there's so so many different ones that we can do. And to to be honest, we just have to look at the guys on the long drive tour. And you know, some of those guys are the strongest and the biggest. Like they're sort of six four, six six, like really big athletes, like two hundred plus pound guys. And they have the longest swings in, you know, anyone that I've seen swing golf clubs, you know, maybe except for John Daly. Uh, But these guys are swinging uh, at exceptional speeds and they're lifting really heavy weights and they're, they're not tight. You know, they might be tight in terms of soreness or delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, But in terms of the mobility that they have and the ranges of motion that they have, uh, they're significantly greater than most golfers, and uh, I can put it down to, or I would put it down to, and many others would put it down to, the fact that they lift their weights through a large range of motion, they do functional movements, and doing weights through a large range of motion also helps build mobility because you are loading yourself in a position that's hard to get into, or you're, you're pushing the depth of you know, your squat or your deadlift or whatever it might be. Um, you're pushing the ranges of motion there and you're loading that up. So it actually helps slowly, slowly increase your ranges of motion. So um, yeah, you can't get stiff for golf by, or you can't go wrong with training for golf and and you're not going to get too stiff if you're doing things through a large range of motion and you are doing functional type movements. So um, I hope that answers the question. Um, again, if you have questions or you'd like to talk about this topic in particular, this uh, last question, number three here, uh, again, at Sean Dykoff on Instagram or Sean at fairwayperformance.com, uh, you can email me there and I'll be happy to chat about any of this stuff because I really enjoy, um, one, helping golfers to realize how good and how much improvement they can see from training their body uh, will transfer over to the golf course and becoming a better athlete by doing work in the gym allows them to essentially if they're to take their their body to the swing coach and say hey I've you know I've got this thing to work with now they've turned a maybe a really dodgy piece of clay that they had before which didn't move that well and wasn't you know supple and move and and they could mold really well and they turn their body through work in the gym into this you know beautiful piece of clay that can be molded and moved and turned and twisted and you can do whatever you want with it and mold it into many shapes and sizes and positions uh, and you're going to get a much better um, piece of work or a piece of art out of it uh, in terms of that or 
you know, being a golf swing uh, at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, improve your body, improve your golf game is, is my message, and I, I want to help more people with it. So I hope this podcast has helped you with that. I hope it answered a couple, maybe one, two, or all three of these questions have, have answered something for you. And um, if you have any ideas for future podcast topics, I'd love to hear them. So you can contact me at Sean Dykoff on Instagram, or if you message, uh, email me at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at fairwayperformance.com. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll chat to you all next week.